Yeah, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Yetis. Let Greg host. I don't often say that, Bless. Oh my but today God. feels like the type of day to necessitate that. What a day. I'm very excited to talk to you about this, Tim, and a whole bunch of other things. We got no time to waste because it is one of the biggest news days that I can remember in recent memory. So, Tim, let's talk about The Last of Us Part 3 already having a story, a huge year for PlayStation, and Greg Miller is hosting E3 because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Games. We run you through the nerdy news and you to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kinda Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, at to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames or bronze members or above, get to write in, and silver members or above, get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post-show. Housekeeping for you, uh, we got a new episode of Kind of Funny Gamescast that's up right now. It's our Pokemon Snap review. That's right. Tim has played it. Joey has played new it. New Pokemon can, Snap, baby. New Pokemon Snap. Uh, you can Woo. get the full review right now on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and on podcast services around the globe. Speaking of gaming content you can get on podcast services around the globe. P.S. I love you. XOXO this week is still coming. Uh, so be on the lookout for it when it drops. But make sure to get in your questions. Maybe ask about a PlayStation game that's coming out soon. I don't know, man. Just get in your questions. We'll record the episode and get it up for you when the time is right. And then the next two Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We're partnering with Razer to show off the RTX 30 series powered Blade laptops. That's going to be with Andy and the boys. They're going to be playing some Warzone. So look forward to that. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mick at the Nanobiologist, Tom Bach, Trent Berry, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Final Fantasy VII Intergrade, Caviar, and Channel Fireball. But I'll tell you about all of those later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for a lot of news. We have eight stories today. A baker's dozen. That was a really good one, Kevin. The energy was there, which it should be. Because again, big news day. We got to get the energy up right now. All right, got to pump those numbers up. Let's start with our number one. E3 has revealed its digital host. This comes from a press release they sent out this morning. Uh, E3 has officially enlisted a trio of well-known video game industry personalities to host the all-virtual global event, taking place Saturday, June 12th through Tuesday, June 15th. Greg Miller, Jackie Jing, and Alex Golden Boy Mendez will guide the four-day broadcast, providing expert-level commentary, publisher, and developer interviews, and much more. Tim, how exciting is that? I can't believe it, man. I have been so... I feel like I'm about to tear up right now, even getting into this. Greg Miller has been the gold standard of the industry, not only to me, but to so many out there, and has allowed so many different people to live their dreams and to continue to push them. And for Greg to rise the way that he has over the last 10-plus years in the industry is nothing short of beautiful. And to be able to host E3, to be able to, to be a part of... A change in E3, hopefully, you know, from from uh, from something that we've all talked about for years and, and, you know, had our issues with this way or that way. But for for this to be a new step forward and and for Greg Miller to be able to to host the Christmas of video games is such 
a beautiful thing that like it doesn't just warm my heart i feel a chill through my body talking about this like mm-hmm. this is the coolest freaking thing as a a friend as a brother as a co-worker as a, a a video game fan all of those things this is incredible and i am so proud of him i'm so proud of what he's done um i am extremely excited for this i think that from what we've we've heard about this e3 this year i'm hoping that it is as good as it potentially can be you know like we were we're hearing some good news about about stuff about the partners uh lining up and stuff and these type of decisions i mean that there's thought being put into this right like these these are great people alex golden boy mendez is the man you know he is so freaking awesome and seeing his meteoric rise as well has been nothing short of awe-inspiring and jackie jing's awesome too i don't know her too well i've met her a couple times she's very talented i've i've uh she she's done a lot of hosting over at ign and i believe i don't want to misspeak i think she did the daily fix uh if not she's done similar types of hosting shows for ign and whenever i see her on screen i'm like damn she's actually really good at what she does and so she's she's at nerdist for a bit too yeah Uh, but anyways you know not not to just make this just all about greg miller but i do want to give a moment for greg miller because this is so freaking special and so freaking cool i mean blessing he's hosting e3 Dude, what it's crazy and he yeah, hasn't met- had a host before <laughs> like you you mentioned how crazy it is as like a like you know a brother a friend uh somebody who's known greg miller for years but like for me as a fan somebody who's followed greg since probably 2013 ish you know since ign it's been awesome seeing like the the I guess the different ways in which him and everybody here at Kind of Funny levels up over the years, you know, from starting your own company, from winning the uh, a game award for Trending Gamer. And, you know, I, I there are certain points for me as a fan and now as a co-worker and co-host where I'm like, what what more can you do? It's like that that uh, Kanye LeBron commercial. If you remember, the, I think it was like a Nike yeah. commercial. No, it was Kobe. It was Kobe where Kanye is in the, in the <laughs> sitting in the stands and he's like, but what more records can I? What more records can I break? And look, and Kobe's like more records. It kind of feels like Greg is like I can do more. <laughs> I can figure out yeah. more ways to get to to get bigger and, and do more dope shit. And it is so fucking inspiring to to uh, he he dropped this news on us. I think this morning or last night. And reading the post, I legitimately got like very emotional and almost teared up a bit because I was just like, man, what a what a fucking. I guess crazy journey that mm-hmm. both like Greg and kind of funny have been on. And I feel personally, like from a personal standpoint, this makes me very hyped for E3. I've been very up and down in terms of where my excitement level has been just because it's been kind of a really weird year for Absolutely. what the ESA has been and what, e- what E3 could be. And, and like, what it last, was the last and couple what it of was. years. Yeah. And like them, them announcing the partners for sure. It, uh, went a long way in terms of getting back a bit of faith from me but this is th- this was the announcement for me where i was like fuck man okay i'm hyped for e3 now like i like let's freaking go this is cool yeah man i i think it's so great and you know obviously we do a lot of navel gazing here at kind of funny uh but it's because we're proud of what we do and we're, we're proud of each other and i love the platform that we've built and i love the way that the platform is being used and i think that having greg uh be our representative on e3 stage is is so fantastic and is is only going to allow us to bring more voices in to this show and other shows and to continue Mm -hmm. to push that and change what the video game industry looks like you know there's like 
we video games need more forces of positivity like Greg Miller, and I'm I'm very 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 excited about that. And then of course Jackie and Alex as well. Uh, but you know the the Greg thing's pretty personal uh, to me, so I'm very excited about that. Two other things I do want to talk about with this though, uh, something that that's very very important to me and Greg as we were going through the conversations for this happening um, is Greg will not miss any of our reaction content um, for the press conferences and stuff at E3. So all the best friends out there, don't worry. Greg will be able to do the hosting stuff and then he's going to join us uh, via Discord call so we can all react can, to the conferences and, and all that stuff, which is which is really exciting. Um, and the other thing is, Kev, can you bring up the tweet that I added here? Uh, in uh, story yeah, number one. One second, yeah. The, the best best thing and this is the side of e3 kind of being like all right maybe this is a new e3 and i'm kind of stoked about it if mm-hmm. y'all don't remember infamously greg miller was banned from e3 <laughs> a couple years ago and it was an accident but he was banned from e3 and uh e3 responded kevin you can click on to that uh the second tweet there <laughs> oh that's hilarious with, with this meme <laughs> uh, the the guy like panicking about what decision to make one's banned greg and one's have him host i absolutely freaking love it that's fantastic yeah congratulations everybody involved congratulations again jackie jing golden boy and greg miller that is fucking fantastic and yeah that is a hilarious series series of events from going from and within two years getting banned from e3 and now hosting e3 you love to see it but tim enough about that we got we got a big old roper report full of playstation news can you believe it tim uh there's a lot of sales reports going on, right? From both PlayStation and Xbox, and we'll tackle Xbox in a second. But we're gonna start off with back to back to back PlayStation news stories. So let's get into it. Story number two: the PS5 has shipped 7.8 million units in five months. This is James Bachelor at GamesIndustry.biz. The launch of the PS5 and a solid lineup for PS4 helped drive a strong year for Sony Corporation. The company released its financial results for the full year ending March 31st, 2020, which shows revenue growth in all but two of its divisions, led as usual by the game and network services segment, which operates PlayStation. Buried within the report, Sony revealed PS5 has shipped 7.8 million units into retail since launching in November. This includes 4.5 million during its launch quarter and 3.3 million in the three months ended March 31st. While Sony only reports on shipments into retail, the ongoing sellout of PS5 stock wherever it appears likely makes it safe to say that the full 7.8 million has been sold to consumers. Earlier this month, MPD confirmed it's the best-selling console in U.S. history when looking at lifetime dollar and unit sales for the first five months of release. Sony sold 338.9 million games in the past year across the two consoles, up from 276.1 million the previous year. Of these, 58.4 million were first party, up from 49.2 million in fiscal year 2019. For the next financial year, Sony is forecasting revenues of $26.6 billion for its games division, which would be 9% more than what it achieved this year. Can you believe that, Tim? They're forecasting a 9% increase compared to this previous fiscal year, which is wild. Uh, But to pretty much sum all this up, Jeff Keighley had a good tweet that pretty much put it in bullet point form for you. All right, he tweeted out this morning, incredible PlayStation facts and company earnings, uh, 7.8 PS5 sold, 47.6 million PlayStation Plus subscribers, 338 million games sold for the PS4 slash PS5 in the past year, and then 24.4 billion in gaming revenue in the past year. Uh, I should also shout out, 
that the article I just read from was gamesindustry.biz. There's a lot more jam-packed in that article, and there are so many numbers and stuff that I know is boring to read through. And so if you want the full story and more context into what these numbers are, please go over to gamesindustry.biz, give them the click, read the full article. But Tim, wild numbers. Absolutely wild, man. It's great for the industry. It's great for PlayStation. All of this is fantastic. What I'm super interested in is their expectation that this year is going to be 9% above last year. And that starts getting my gears turning. What does that actually mean? Does that Do they expect to have enough PS5s in the wild this year to substantially increase the amount of software being sold uh, with titles like Ratchet and Clank that we know are going to happen? But an increase would imply that there's going to be some type of things we don't expect, some types of big major games coming later in the year that are going to have high attach rates, right, to really kind of boost those numbers. Could it be God of War? It definitely Is God of War really coming this fiscal year? I don't think so. And then, you know, fiscal year gets a little bit weird. Uh, yeah. which, that's, which, before, I guess that's before that's, next March, pretty much. So with that, God of War next by next end of next March, not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but also not necessarily expected. Um, I think a fool would bet on that. But mm-hmm. uh, in addition to that, though, it doesn't need to be God of War, right? It, it could be games we don't know about in addition to things like Horizon actually hitting. Um, like, uh, And obviously, like I said, Ratchet & Clank is already a guarantee. Uh, to be coming this year. But the biggest thing is these games are selling this well when there's not that many PS5s in the wild. Having said that, there's a good amount of PS5s in the wild at this point. Like there, the sell-through rate is extremely high compared yeah, to any it's other It's higher than before. the PS4, which I think is the thing you should shout out. Because the the ongoing story we've had and the ongoing uh, comments or replies and all the stuff we see on the internet is people being like, can't get my hands on a ps5 what is sony doing and i'm definitely i definitely i definitely feel that right in terms of people mm-hmm. not being able to get their hands on a next-gen console but you should like it, it you should also point out that they are manufacturing these things at a level that is that has already exceeded the ps4's manufacturing and so like this it is a combination of the demand for it just being super high and that's probably boosted by uh quarantine and there being an exceeded level of interest for the ps5 but then also like with chips and stuff it seems like they they can't because there there has been a chip shortage it seems like they just can't up the manufacturing fast enough which has created this bottleneck of people not being able to get uh get the supply for what the demand is um but yeah like i mean when we're talking about the nine percent increase forecast increase this year i think it, it you should we definitely need to point out what the last fiscal year for playstation has been because we're talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake. We're talking about The Last of Us Part Two. We're talking about Ghost of Tsushima, Miles Morales, PS5 hard- hardware sales. We're talking about a lot of games, like a lot of yeah, big man. game releases. That's and crazy. Like that, I mean, I, for what this year is, right? Like Horizon is definitely part of that conversation. Like Horizon is slated for this year, along with God of War. And God of War is one that nobody believes is really going to hit. But Horizon, you imagine, is part of that forecast. Ratchet and Clank is part of that forecast. But I don't think... I don't think the games we have slated so far for this year in PlayStation makes that 9% increase. Like, I don't, I, I'm with you that there has to be more to that story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what's exciting. We're only in the end of April now, right? There's a lot more year left for announcements and for releases, both kind of surprises, both like, here's an announcement three months later, a game comes out or, you know, kind of the, the announcement and way, way later, it's actually coming out. But again, when we're talking about fiscal year, we have all the way to the end of March. Uh, it's it's very interesting to think about had COVID not happened, had all these shortages not happened, how many units would the PS5 be at, <laughs> right? Like it mm-hmm. could be 
utterly ridiculous there. But we can't think about it that way because the reality is this is where we're at. But there are a, the reality now is there are enough PS5s in the wild for not in the wild, in people's hands, in people's homes, that PlayStation can start counting on some revenue there. And I imagine we're going to start seeing a sticky rate that might not look quite like the Switch because that was crazy, oh, but yeah. is going to be more similar to the Switch than the PS4 even, right? Yeah. I mean, we can we can add in more context uh, with story number three because story number three is about how Sony is to invest an additional $183 million into PlayStation exclusives over the next year. Uh, so I'm going to pull from Josh Colson at The Gamer who writes this. Sony will continue to heavily invest in PlayStation's in-house projects over the coming year and plans to increase its investment in that area by almost $200 million. PlayStation has been big on exclusives for a while now, and their continued success alone is proof that it is set to continue. In fact, as discussed by Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki this week, the plan going forward is to invest even more money in PlayStation's in-house projects. During a call with investors, Totoki revealed Sony plans to up its investment in that area by $183 million over the coming year. Quote, we intend to increase development personnel and other in-house costs by approximately 20 billion yen, which is $183 million, year on year, as we further strengthen our in-house software, Totoki revealed via VGC. There's a number floating around somewhere, and I can't remember where I saw this number. It was either in an article or maybe it was in a reset era post about uh, PlayStation revenue uh, for actual PlayStation money made by PlayStation games being first party uh, and exclusives versus uh, play uh, versus money made off of software for the entire platform. And you mentioned that the attach rate isn't as high as Nintendo because Nintendo's attachment rate for the Switch well, is ridiculous. Uh, but to be fair, it's percentage based that we're talking about. Like not as good is, is not the right way to phrase that. For sure, for sure. But it is still pretty high for what you'd expect out of PlayStation first party. And so for them talking about how much money they plan to invest in more PlayStation, PlayStation exclusives over the next year, that makes a lot of sense. And I... I'm very curious to see how that actually pans out because there's a there was a quote floating around uh, last week from I believe it was Jim Ryan or it was either Jim Ryan or Herman Holst when they were talking about how they this next gen they plan to have even more PlayStation exclusives than the pre than the previous gen which is wild to think about given how many exclusives we got during the PS4 generation but it makes sense for one. Uh, how successful a strategy that's been for them so far, and then two, how competition is increasing, where now you have Xbox buying Bethesda and Xbox Game Pass and all this different stuff. It seems like that race between these big console manufacturers is getting heavy, and PlayStation is planning to make some big moves uh, in reaction to that. Yeah, and I mean, with that, I was trying to look into it about like $183 million into PlayStation exclusives over the next year. What does that mean? Like, what does $180 million actually look like in game budget? And it's actually pretty hard to find budget of video games, but I looked up Last of Us 2 and I got uh, from Bloomberg, they're saying that uh, it was around 100 million. So there are very few games as high budget as Last of Us 2, right? Like, obviously there's exceptions, GTA 5, et cetera, et cetera. But mm -hmm. Last of Us 2 is a AAA Sony title to the utmost, and that's 100 million. 183 million, that's almost two Last of Us 2s. <laughs> You know, yeah. But what what does that mean for how many Ratchet and Clanks is that, <laughs> right? How many Horizons could that be? How many Returnals, even more so? And what is the the kind of breakdown of what that could potentially look like, bolstering the already 
epic lineup that PlayStation has and has been building. Like I have said a million times, and I will continue to say that the PlayStation 5 reveal event where they announced uh, Gran Turismo and Ratchet and & Clank and Miles Morales and Horizon and all that stuff, like that was insane. And oh yeah, I, people like kind of looked at us like, oh, like whatever, like we expected that. We expected to get answers to all of like sequels to all of the games. Like, yeah, I mean, insane. remember that's where Miles Morales was too, and that's something that we weren't expecting. Like, they went and pretty much above and beyond during that totally. presentation. And then months later, they followed that up with the God of War and Ragnarok and yeah. um, Final Fantasy 16 and uh, you know, all these other things. In addition to mm-hmm. newer IP and like partnerships like Project Athia, uh, which is now called Don't Tell Me, Don't Tell Me. You got it. Foretold, Forsaken, Forsaken, motherfuckers. I got it. Go. Uh, but anyways, is that what it was I... Forspoken. Fuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost there. Uh, one day, one day. It's a weird ass uh, name. Yeah, it is. It is. That's really funny. But um, you, you see what I'm saying, though? Like, there is a lot there that we know is happening. And mm-hmm. it, it's easy to be like, well, obviously those things are happening. It isn't obvious until they say it. You know what I mean? It's like th- it, things could not actually come out. I wouldn't believe Metroid Prime 4 is ever coming out, ever, if they hadn't announced Metroid Prime 4 officially. And even now there's a question. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, at least it's like, okay, cool. Nintendo is like counting this as a thing unlike some other franchises where if there was never an f-zero again i wouldn't be shocked until one's announced it's not like uh oh yeah of course one day they're gonna bring it back mm-hmm. whereas with playstation they put their their cards on the table for a lot of things but then there's a whole lot of question marks and a whole lot of question marks that can be ad, uh, answered with an additional 183 million dollars two last of us part twos almost that's insane yeah and to bring it back right the the um the number I was trying to I was trying to uh, bring up earlier was from GamesIndustry.biz, where they wrote, uh, and this is part of the same article that I read before, but I pared down. Sony sold 338.9 million games in the past year across the two consoles, being PS4 and PS5, uh, up from 276.1 million in the previous year. Of these, 58.4 million were first party. 58.4 million out of 338.9 million games being sold from the two consoles were first party, which is a, a re- ridiculous number uh and to bring it back to where we're at now we, we've been having conversations a lot this year on PSLW and kfgd and across multiple podcasts about all right what what does what is playstation doing especially from the first party side when it was reported about the uh, san diego playstation studio about like what they're doing with a blasphemous remake that was brought in-house to naughty dog when we talk about uh, Sony Bend and how it seems like they were brought in uh, to help out with Naughty Dog for a new Uncharted uh, alongside the uh, multiplayer project that they're working on at, at, at Naughty Dog and not being greenlit for Days Gone 2. The conversation became one about is PlayStation focusing in on first parties in a way that is stifling like new ideas and stifling the the, the individuality of these different studios? Like, is it a bad thing that days go- that days gone to didn't get 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 greenlit? Is it a bad thing, or what does it does it speak to a um, to PlayStation first party in a bad way that it seems like if if the, if a studio if a new studio under their umbrella wants to make a new game, it has to be something like Last of Us remake. What does that say about PlayStation first party? And seeing the announcements we've gotten over the last couple of months of. Haven Studio from Jade Raymond working on a new PlayStation IP. Uh, the studio, which name I can't remember from the last week, that's working on a multiplayer game with the des- with uh, former Destiny devs. And mm-hmm. this new story about how they're 
putting in more money to get more exclusives in, right? Like, I think there is, there is, I think there's something there in terms of the strategy being, all right, PlayStation, big budget, first party studios are going to make basically what is our Nintendo lineup, all right? Naughty Dog is going to work on Last of Us, which is going to be Mario, right? Like, uh, um, Sucker Punch is going to work on Ghost of Tsushima, which is going to be Zelda, right? And these are these are definitely not one for one analogs in any way. But you know yeah, what I, I mean we're talking the about? Tent poles. The tent We're going to have our main, our our big first party studios, our big budget first party studios work on our temples, and that doesn't mean we're not going to have our weird shit too. Because for our weird shit, we're going to reach out to devs like Housemark and partner with them and have them make Returnal. We're going to partner with devs uh, 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 like the Bug Snacks devs and have them make Bug Snacks exclusive for PlayStation and have that marketed as exclusive we're gonna have we're gonna have the maquette folks uh work on maquette to make it a playstation ps plus title we're gonna have haven studios work on that uh i think that is a fascinating um uh, strategy for them and i think there's a lot of validity there in terms of what that's going to do for the playstation library and their library of exclusives and i think it comes back to the fact that when you look at the sales of playstation first party titles there's magic there people are showing up for those titles and those are selling yeah. playstations it's not just sales it's reviews and it's uh the the gamers reception as well right like we all love those games we love those titles and i i think that there's a doom and gloom story you can paint about it all but i'm totally with you bless where i am not worried whatsoever because until they stop delivering the hits there's nothing really to worry about i and i i think that uh to kind of continue on from your your take about them turning more into like nintendo i do think that at some point many of the first party teams especially the bigger dogs at uh playstation are going to split into multiple development teams similar to how nintendo structured and they have their, their multiple ead teams and stuff so mm -hmm. already with uh insomniac they clearly have multiple teams working on miles morales and ratchet and clank and so on and so forth uh with naughty dog it's like we've seen that they have multiple teams as well yeah. last and of us and, and uh, you know like there's Legacy like the there's that. the inside jokes about uh, in playstation about how the that san diego studio was being jokingly called naughty dog south but like mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if that didn't become a joke anymore and they're like fuck man we're just gonna make you a naughty dog team and you're gonna work on naughty dog remix you know yeah. like there's, and, and look, there's stuff there the reality of that is and that's going to upset a lot of people and a lot of people didn't sign up for that and a lot of people you know devs and and everyone else on the team everything right like it's not all sunshine and rainbows period obviously every choice that somebody makes is going to have a adverse effect on somebody else that's just how this goes uh but i think that they're making good decisions and personally they're, they're decisions that speak to me as a gamer and things that i want more of i would love if we could up the the uh, quantity of these PlayStation titles. And honestly, at that point, I'm just being greedy because they're already there. But I would love if we can get big tentpole experiences annually. Maybe not from, I don't need a Last of Us every year. That's not what I'm saying. But I would like a Last of Us and a uh, Uncharted you know what I mean? and a new IP as well. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing too, is what's, what's so funny about uh, the argument I hear about people like, well, like, it's just sequel, sequel, sequels. It's like, well, Last of Us is just part two. Like, it was just a new IP. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then that's all of a sudden, the thing. it got a sequel. Like, that, I think that perfectly feeds into what the strategy could end up being, where, yeah, you don't, you're not getting a big tentpole Last of Us every single year. There are seven years between Last of Us and Last of Us Part Two. But what if, for, what if over the next seven years, we just we just got the last of us part two for, uh, last year what if okay cool within these seven years we're gonna get last of us multiplayer 
Last of Us remake, a Last of Us TV show, a Last of Us mo- uh, mobile game, and mm-hmm. those are giving us our, I guess our our um that scratch of the Last of Us itch that we're gonna have while waiting for whatever the Last of Us Part Three is. You know, I think. There is validity there, and it makes sense from a, hey, as PlayStation first party, let's focus on fewer IP, like fewer IP names, but focus on focus on expanding those IP. In the same way that you have Mario having Mario Party and Mario Kart and Mario Golf, and, you know, Nintendo does a really good job of keeping their IP alive through all these different types of iterations. Uh, I think, it, it, again, not one for one, but I think there is there's something there in terms of... Uh, Building building up your biggest IP to be something that are household names and continue to feed into the synergy, uh, so that Last of Us Part Three sells way more than Last of Us Part Two even did. Absolutely, Kev, check Slack real quick. Uh, but bless Last of Us Two. What would that lead into? Potentially, a Last of Us Three. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I would assume that it would it would lead right into story number four. The Last of Us Part Three has a plot, <laughs> but it's not being made yet. Uh, this is from Joe Screbbles at IGN. Naughty Dog has written a story outline for The Last of Us Part 3, but isn't making the sequel right now. Creative director Neil Druckmann says he hopes it can, quote, one day see the light of day, end quote. Speaking on an episode of the Script Apart podcast about the writing of The Last of Us Part 2, Druckmann touched briefly on the possibility of a sequel. Quote, I don't know how much I want to reveal. Co-writer Holly Gross and I did write an outline for a story that we're not making, but I hope one day can see the light of day that explores a little bit of what happens after this game we'll see end quote Druckmann says there's been quite a bit of discussion internally about a part three but pointed out how much work is involved in making a game making a game like this a reality quote these games take so much to make part two i've been thinking about for seven years between the last between the uh, between when the last was between when the last game came out uh and when this game came out you can you want to make sure you're jazzed by the idea uh that you have that it feels like it's challenging quote we've now had two games that i feel speak to something universal as well as telling a very personal story for these characters with one game there's no pattern of what a franchise is with two games now there's starting to be a pattern now i feel like there's there are some structural and thematic themes you'd have to stick to if you're making a third game end quote this well, is cool. gets it man it's super cool, but I, I, this last bit here about the with two games, they're starting to become a pattern. It's like, clearly, Druckmann knows how to tell stories, and him partnering, obviously, uh, with Hallie is awesome. I loved the story of Last of Us Part 2, and I would love a Last of Us Part 3, especially if it's this team working on it, and whoever they choose to bring on for the next one, because I trust in their vision. I have no reason to, to not trust in it. But I also love that the reason I trust uh, them and the, 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 the work that Naughty Dog does is... They understand what they have, and they understand the expectations that we have of what a third title in this franchise would look like. They also understand what a new IP would look like. So they're going to make the right choice. I fully have faith that whatever it is they put out next is going to be incredible, uh, whether it's Last of Us 3 or something else. But I do love, personally, that Last of Us 3 exists in some form and that a story is being thought about and has at least some type of skeleton currently. Yeah. No, and and I'm right there with you. Them talking about how uh, with with a, a second game there there becomes a there becomes a theme, right? There becomes a structure, and it becomes a thing of Last of Us Part Three has to fit in that family that is the Last of Us series. I think that's a very fascinating way to look at it. And again, I think it speaks to the fact that 
Naughty Dog is very good at what they do. You know, they're very good at creating uh, narratives that you know feel meaningful that feel like they have they that feels like there's been a lot of, of work put in that feels like they're expanding on a world and are expanding on themes and ideas and all this stuff uh and you know i don't think a last part three for naughty dog was ever a given i wouldn't be surprised uh if the last of Us part two was the last last of us that we got as like a big mainline game from naughty dog and i think part of me thinks that if that happened then probably sony would probably give the last of us to a different studio to work on and be a spinoff the last of us uh I don't know, man, New York or something like that. Um, but then talk, uh, Neil Druckmann talking about how, yeah, like we've outlined it. We we were thinking about it. You know, we're talking about it. I think gets me excited for the fact that, hey, yeah, they're not they're not done with it yet. You know, they're not at a place yet where they're like, there's no more story left to tell in this world. Obviously, there's story left to tell in this world. And let's go. Like, I'm down for it. I do hope they put out a new IP, though, before the last was part three. You know, I don't I don't want last was part three right away. That's my big hope. Yeah, I mean, I'll take whatever, honestly. It's like that, like I was saying, it's just like I trust them, you know? And it's like, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of criticism of people being like, oh, Naughty Dog games are all the same. I want to see them do something different. It's like, what they do is great. Like, why? I don't understand the, the desire for people to be like, hey, you, you killed this? Do something totally different. It's I like, mean, I'm... I'm one of those people though. Like I I don't get it though. It's like we don't it's not like we get one of these third person uh action games that are super narrative driven with amazing voice acting and or not just voice acting, acting and all that stuff. It's not like there's a plentiful amount of not? them every which way. No, we don't. We get like, them all the time from PlayStation. But, but see that's that is dumbing it down so so much where like mm. if you're really gonna make that argument about comparing Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us, it's like come on. They're different. And if you're going to do that, then yeah, okay, we can, we can count Assassin's Creed as that type of game too. We can count a whole bunch of games. We know what we're talking about. Naughty Dog games, are they're, sure. they're different. And I think things that are comparable to them are like the Tomb Raider franchise, right? Like that is the same type of game. We don't get that that often. There's not yeah. that many of them. And it's like every single time a new one comes out, there's improvement. And it's like comparing Uncharted 1 to Last of Us Part 2 from any perspective, whether it's gameplay, performance, story, all of that stuff. It's just like night and day. And we're talking about 2007 to 2020. 2020, right? yeah. Yeah, 13 years. Or 2019. And over 13 years, it's like that's a long time, but also not that long of a time period. And between them, we got how many of those type of games? 20 max? I mean, my my thing is more so with Naughty Dog as a studio. I feel like they can get, and th this is the smallest critique because I'm going to say this and people are going to tear me apart for it, but I stand by it. I think they can get a bit formulaic when how they, with how they make their games. Last was part two. I got I got to a certain point in that game where I was like, I know exactly where this is going to go. I'm gonna they're going to look in the sky and there's going to be a, a a big building and we're making our way to that building over there. Cool. We're going to get there. We're going to get to the front door and it's going to be blocked off by a thing. And so we're going to have to climb around the building to get in there. Sweet. And by the time you get halfway through the game. There was the, uh, there's a shift in the last of part two, and even though I was enjoying myself, even though I was having a blast in the game, part of me was like, "Cool, I'm gonna have to do pretty much. I'm gonna play. I'm pretty much playing two Naughty Dog games in this one game, and I know the motions that I'm going through in this game." I might. My, my, that is my, absolutely true. Having mm -hmm. said that, what game isn't formulaic at some point? For sure. The only the only example of that of, of things that aren't formulaic at some point are when the goal of them is to not be formulaic. <laughs> Which yeah, 
is a formula in and of itself. <laughs> like, the, there's a reason we like these things. It's like, I, that is a, it's a valid critique. And of course, there's a lot to criticize about Naughty Dog games and those style of games. But it's just like, that's like being like, oh man, Mario Odyssey. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was fun as shit. <laughs> but I mean, if we're going to make the Nintendo comparison, like for me, it's like, look at Zelda. Zelda games were very formulaic for a long time. You know, like from Ocarina of Time all the way up to Skyward Sword, you knew what you were getting from a 3D Zelda game. You're going to go uh, dungeon to dungeon. You're going to eventually unlock a hook shot, hook shot. You're going to unlock pretty much the standard items that you're always going to unlock. And by the time you, you get to the fin- you get to the end of the game, it's like, cool, I played another Zelda game. And that was awesome because Zelda games are awesome. You know, like they get tens all the time. Like, you know what a Zelda game is, and they're usually masterpieces. But for me, Breath of the Wild was something special because it, it fucked with that formula a lot and made something that felt so innovative and new. And for Naughty Dog, like Naughty Dog games do have uh, a lot that that are fresh in them because there is so much time between Naughty Dog games, especially nowadays. Like Uncharted 1 through 3, there is a lot of similar similarities in those games because they came out in, during the same uh, console generation. They're part of the same franchise, all this stuff. But since then, I do feel like we have, we've gotten a lot of improvement over uh, the course of, of the Naughty Dog game releases. But Which is not true for Zelda true yes not true not as true for for zelda but i do i would like to see naughty dog do something that is different and that maybe that could just be a new new ip maybe a new ip alone would fix that for me um but if you're going to do another last of us i feel like you uh, i feel like you got to do something that is from a gameplay gameplay perspective either open it up even more maybe make it open world which i know a lot of people are gonna be like I just fuck no this. if we like the last of us i want more better last of us but i play totally i with played you. the last I, of us is my thing I know, if i want if i want the last of us i'll play the last of us i know but like that that again is dumbing down the argument where it's like of course it's good i want bigger and better and that's a last of us two compared mm-hmm. to last of us one i want a last of us three that is similar in jump and it's like keep going down that path but at the end of the day, bless, you're right of like, yes, I want a Naughty Dog Breath of the Wild type experience. Yeah. And, and this like, is like, this isn't me necessarily saying mean... make make it open world. That's just Absolutely. me saying that's that's just me saying do something different. I don't think I'd want actually an open world Last of Us game. Yeah, but it's just I want more of these type of games and we don't get enough of them. Mm-hmm. Tim. We got a special guest we're about to bring into KFGD, but before we actually do, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Okay, real talk here. That soap or body wash you're using, it's crap. It's crappy crap. Just throw it out. Don't use it. Let me tell you about this thing called Dr. Squatch soap. It's packed, uh, or your soap that you're using right now is packed with harsh chemicals, synthetic detergents, and it's brutal on your skin. If you're ready to step up your game to soap that's natural, great for your skin, and doesn't smell like a middle school locker room, Dr. Squatch is where it's at. Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene with their natural personal care products that make you feel like a man and smell like a champion. All of Dr. Squatch's soaps are made in the USA using the finest ingredients nature has to offer. That means natural cleansers and nourishing ingredients that are actually great for your skin. Dr. Squatch's soaps come in a huge range of natural, mainly scents that are going to transform your shower. Whether it's their best-selling pine tar or scents like bay rum and cedar citrus, you're never going to have a boring shower again. My first shower experience with Dr. Squatch can only be described as heavenly. It was very good. 
It was heavenly. Uh, the grapefruit IPA scent is to die for. If you really, if you really want to make it easy on yourself, you can also subscribe to the Doctor Squatch. Uh, just like the hundreds of thousands of other guys out there. Every month, fresh bars of Squatch show up at your door. <laughs> it's super easy. They've also got a full lineup of personal care goods like deodorant, hair care, and toothpaste. Right now, new customers can get 20% off on orders of $20 or more when they go to DrSquatch.com and enter code DSCKFGD. That's DrSquatch.com code DSCKFGD for 20% off on orders of $20 or more. We're also brought to you by Final Fantasy VII Intergrade. Grab your weapons and join the resistance because Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade for PlayStation 5 is here June 10th. The shadowy Shinra Corporation is draining the planet's very life force, all for their own gain. The mercenary Cloud Strife teams up with Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith to take Shinra down. Whether they succeed depends on you. We are so excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. It's the definitive edition of the award-winning Final Fantasy VII Remake. Intergrade comes with so many expanded graphical gameplay and system enhancements. We're talking improved lighting, crispier backgrounds, more realistic textures. Intergrade brings the game's visuals to a whole new level. Plus, you can switch between graphics mode and performance mode depending on whether you want 4K or super smooth action with 60 frames per second. Plus, yes, there's also a plus, the game comes bundled with episode Intermission, a brand spanking new episode featuring Wu-Tai Ninja <laughs> Yuffie. Uh, yesterday, Greg called it uh, the Wu-Tang Clan Ninja, and I can't get that out of my head. Uh, oh, Yuffie God. as the main character, uh, where she'll conspire, because Yuffie ain't nothing to mess with, uh, where she'll conspire with Avalanche HQ to steal the ultimate material area from the Shinra Electric Power Company. Pre-order Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate today by going to squex.link slash remake KF. That is S-Q-E-X dot link backslash remake KF. Now let me tell you about caviar. Looking or loving good food doesn't necessarily mean you are able to cook well. If you want a great meal but need a little help, let the restaurant come to you. Caviar can help. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Other apps may have national chains, but Caviar keeps it local. Those hidden gems in your rest in your neighborhood, they're on Caviar. Caviar curates local options for every taste, whether it's the perfect Reuben from the, the sandwich shop or the best Indian vegan curry. You always have options for whatever you want. Not sure what to eat? Not sure what you want to eat? Let Caviar Staff Picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite. And just for our listeners, Caviar is offering $10 off an order of $20 or more. All you have to do is put in the offer code KINDAFUNNY at checkout. Remember, that's $10 off a purchase of $20 or more with the offer code KINDAFUNNY. Download the Caviar app and use code KINDAFUNNY, all one word. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Channel Fireball Box Breaks. Channel Fireball is a very big name in the collectible and trading card industries. Our new initiative, CFB Box Breaks, involves live streamed pack in a box openings. People will purchase a group in a break. Uh, I'll use basketball as an example. Let's say you all buy in. Tim gets uh, all the Cavalier cards. Greg gets all the Miami Heat cards, etc. And the break happens live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, they stream breaks starting at 1 p.m. Tuesday to Thursday, 3 p.m. Friday and Saturday. There are also personal 
personal breaks. Uh, let's say I buy an entire box of Pokemon cards uh, and we open it live on stream uh, before shipping me the contents. Each stream also builds to a premium break. These are usually spicier or more expensive breaks with big hits in them. For example, this Saturday, uh, they're breaking a box of revised Magic the Gathering. Each booster pack is $500 and there are cards worth over $1,000 you can open in there. Box breaks are a fun way to get your hands on collectible cards, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, Flesh and Blood, sports cards, and more. I just love Flesh and Blood. i never heard of that, but I imagine that it's really hardcore. They're running an awesome deal on Battle Styles, the hottest new Pokemon set right now, and you can get a box cheaper with CFB box breaks than anywhere else. So head to CFBboxbreaks.com and make sure you use the code KINDAFUNNY so they know we sent you and get 5% off your first break. Back to the show. Tim, yes. we're introducing a special guest. Like a I very, very special guest. The man's name is Cameron Hawkins. Kev's uh, trying to get it all looking pretty and stuff. But while he does that, Cam, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you two doing? I'm doing real good. Doing Thank good, you for man. putting up with the, the technical issues we were having going into this. For some reason, the Discord invites weren't, weren't working for him. But we got him in here now for one very specific reason. Cam, yesterday, I was on Twitter. I was scrolling. I was perusing, as I normally do. And I saw you talking about what you're calling already the game of the year. 2021 and uh there was a a, i was like what the fuck is he talking about like i don't know what i've never even heard of this shit i don't know and then i started looking at the video and i was like oh oh damn there's something special here so so kev can you bring up the video and then cam can you please pitch us uh this is what i'm calling the the cam hawkins hype check oh awesome (laughs) oh yeah yeah so this is a, a game uh called uh lost soul aside and it originally was announced uh in august of 2016 uh just just the creator yang bing like released like a six minute trailer of gameplay and it was all made by him he just was just like this is a game i'm making and uh it got enough buzz that playstation got word of it and they were like we want to help you make this game and that's how they uh playstation started what many people uh, might know now as the China Hero Project, where they mm-hmm. basically take on Japanese, like, you know, uh, not Japanese, uh, but uh, Chinese developers and help them make their games. Um, so they are, like, directly helping with the budget of this game. Uh, and the thing that's, like, kind of cool about it for uh, in the sense of uh, accessibility to this game is that it is going to come out as a PlayStation 4 exclusive, but uh, it is a timed exclusive. Like, I think it's uh, one year. And then once that happens, it can come to, like, Xbox. I don't know if uh, I've heard that it might release on PC, but I haven't heard anywhere official about that. So as far as I'm aware, it's only coming out on PlayStation at launch. Um, and we, you know, once it was announced, I was like, this is one of my most anticipated games. Like, at the time, I was still waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3. But once Kingdom Hearts 3 dropped, I was like, this is it. This is, this is my most anticipated title. Um, and I, you know, for the longest time, I, I was on Twitter, like, trying to hype people about this game. I was telling people, like, uh, I was drafting this game on my, on our, like, fantasy leagues. And people were like, what's this game? I'm like, how, do, like, and I just share them the video. I'm like, that ain't coming out this year. That's, like, their excuse. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it just looks beautiful. Like, the combat is just, it's like a mixture of, like, Devil May Cry, Kingdom Hearts. 
Final Fantasy, which it is a Final Fantasy-inspired title. Yeah. Uh, the art style looks very Final Fantasy. The characters look very Final Fantasy. Looks Final like Fantasy, Fantasy 15, yeah. specifically. Yeah. 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 But then the, the combat first... does look like DMC a bit. Yeah. Which is really first... cool. When the uh, video first came out, uh, people were like, oh, this looks like Final Fantasy 15 because it was shortly after Final Fantasy 15 came out. And then we didn't see anything for it until GDC 2018 where they released like kind of like a, a, a playable demo for people that were at the event. Um, but since then, in the past uh, three years, which they were already planning on doing, but they remodeled the characters. Like if you look at the, the first trailer uh, and you look at the main character uh, from there to now, looks completely different like the hairstyle is the same and like the dress but like his actual face is completely redone it's all made in unreal engine 4 uh it it really just looks incredible it keeps getting better and better um i i i even though like the game um looks a little bit different from uh what we see here in this uh, 18 minute trailer video uh check out the original trailer because like that i still watch that trailer like every once in a while just to feel something because it's just it gives you chills it's just gorgeous. Um, another cool thing about it is that uh, Cody Matthew Johnson, who did the music for Devil May Cry 5, Resident Evil Oh 2, shit! He's doing the music for this game. So there's, you know, there's a notable composer uh, doing the uh, music for this game as well. Like this game, just needs to stop being under the radar. Like get this on the hype level. This game is going to be one of the best games that are gonna that's gonna come out this year. Uh, and I I like 100% think it's coming out this year because Yang Bing did say last year that he really wanted it to release it last year, but with COVID, he couldn't. So I definitely think this is coming out this year. I don't know when, but it's it's definitely coming. I'm looking at an IGN article right now uh, written by uh, Rishi Alwani. This is, IG, this is IGN India specifically, uh, where they, they have a whole article breaking down everything we know about Lost Soul aside, and they talk about how uh, while we're yet to get a release date when uh, when for when this trailer land, I believe Jesus. is the trailer we're looking at. Uh, it's safe to say that we'll get more details at the China PlayStation Press Conference 2021 on April 29th. And I don't know how oh, wow. how times are, mm. time zones work with that, and so I don't know if that is today, but we might we might get a release date sooner than later. It sounds like. Man, this looks utterly incredible. So the game is called Lost Souls Aside. Lost, Lost Soul Aside. aside. Lost Soul aside, all right. Yeah, and it's also going to PS5. Uh, and but man, PC. I, they, do, they do confirm PC here. Oh, that's good. Kev, can you uh, skip forward a little bit too? Because uh, there's some like traversal stuff about halfway through. Yeah, so the, yeah. Newest, the newest thing that they introduced in here that, I, that was not a part of the original trailer is that like you can use the dragon. The dragon can transform into like a skateboard, like a, a board, and you can ride it. Uh, yeah, like this. Uh, you know, it doesn't look super great if I'm being completely honest with you, <laughs> just because I don't know if there's like more animation when he actually moves. I don't know if they're just like letting him uh, go down the road like idly, you know what I mean? Mm. But um, it, you know, it's still like, wow, like I never thought this game would have this, but then it just continues to surprise me. It's um, like flying it has... skateboard. <laughs> yeah, hoverboards. It, it just, it just has... hover it's board. a dragon. Yeah, and it just has so much variety in like what in its gameplay from what I've seen from just- Good Lord! That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> from anyway, all right, Cam, thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Where can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at CamFinalMix and I stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash CamFinalMix.
There you go, man. I appreciate you coming through for this, and, and thank you for uh, introducing us to this. I, I hope it comes out yeah. this year. I have a little less faith than you seem to, but um, I, I do want to give a shout-out to these Chinese developers kind of yeah, coming out the, of nowhere. Big games and... are coming out of China. There's this. There's Black Myth Wukong, which we talked about before. There's another game that reminds me of Nier that I cannot remember the name of to save my life, but the games that we the big triple a quadruple a games that we've been seeing uh show up a lot over the last couple of years have looked ridiculous and i can't wait for them to come out because you know i wonder if they're gonna gonna hit the in the west as much as it seems like they're probably gonna hit uh over there yeah cameron uh, cameron thank you so much for thank you man me. see you later yep see you bye-bye bye all right let's talk rad, right Bless? yeah that looks insane <laughs> that looks awesome uh let's talk about story number five tim all right we talked mm -hmm. a lot about playstation revenue oh wait well we got a we got a special guest here before i even give, get into story number five uh, do you want to say anything special guest or are you here on accident <laughs> i'm here on purpose blessing okay. all right i want oh, you to know great. that yesterday great. i did tim mm -hmm. i need you to zip it all right i is need you to about zip it it is about wu-tang i didn't say wu-tang yesterday all right now you did said i call wu-tang did i call the one <laughs> <laughs> I call the one sponsor by the wrong name and have to re-record the ad. Yes, I did, ladies Stop and gentlemen. Squanch. Thank you. Thank you for calling it out in the Twitch chat. Thank you for calling wanted, it out in your own. I was going to say Wu Tang. I thought you were doing it on purpose, though. Frog Knight Joshi G said he said Wu Tay. See, Wu Tay is different than Wu Tang, all right? Because Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, Blessing. I'm surprised you forgot about that. Well, no, I didn't say it because I didn't want to say the F word during a Final Fantasy sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> they would have loved it. You said oh, shit. Boy, I love they were sponsored by Final Fantasy. I haven't brought that up, but that's so freaking cool. But I, like, I, I like yesterday people were like, man, is this a conflict of interest? I'm like, well, we host the Final Fantasy event and they know that we can talk shit if we want. And I'm like, also, didn't we say it was game of the year before? Like, I think we we're pretty clear on liking Final <laughs> yeah. Fantasy 7. I'm not expecting integrated to be terrible. But what if you're again, if it is year? terrible, we're going to be allowed to we'll say it's you. terrible because we yeah. would never partner with somebody who would say, hey, don't talk about this because whatever. You know what I mean? All right. Have a great show. Guys. Hell yeah. I liked having Cam on. That was cool. That, that was, was fun. fun. Let's talk wow, about the story host number of five. E3, taking time out of his busy day to come talk oh, to us yeah. peons. Story number five. Let's get back to revenue. Microsoft's gaming division just had the best January through March quarter ever. This is Rebecca Valentine at IGN. Microsoft's gaming division division just had its best Q3 ever. Not only thanks to ongoing sales of the Xbox Series S and X, but also in no small part due to them basically tacking on an entire extra company onto the revenue for the last three weeks of the quarter. In its earnings today, Microsoft reported gaming revenue was up 50% year over year, jumping from $2.35 billion for the same period last year, up to $3.53 billion this year. It's not a record quarter overall, uh, as Microsoft's gaming, gaming revenues for October through December of last year spiked past $5 billion for the first time ever during that three-month period, thanks to the new console launch. But it, but, but it is also, or but it is a record for the January through March quarter, which is traditionally more of a quiet one for gaming companies following the busy holiday sales season of big new releases. Hardware was far from the only culprit in Microsoft's excellent gaming quarter. Xbox content and services revenue, aka software, uh, Game Pass, and basically everything that isn't hardware rose $739 million, or 34%, which Microsoft attributes to, well, everything in that category, both first and third party software and Game Pass revenue. Baked into that content and services revenue, though, is a new factor this quarter, uh, Bethesda and Zenimax. 
Microsoft officially completed its acquisition of ZeniMax in March, meaning the company's revenue in the final three weeks of the quarter was lumped into everything else Xbox gaming. It's unfortunately impossible to tell what impact this actually had on Microsoft's revenue numbers, as ZeniMax was not a publicly traded company before and did not disclose its actual quarterly or annual revenues prior to the acquisition. But it's very likely that the rise in content revenue was at least somewhat helped by the company suddenly adding a bunch of extra game sales to its balance sheet. The full impact may end up being more evident in future quarters when major new games launch out of ZeniMax's portfolio. Tim, it's going to be a crazy couple years coming up, man, like it, across the board, right? Switch mm-hmm. sales through the roof, Xbox sales, money, 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 PlayStation. We just talked all about it. More money coming in, more money being invested, more quality games for us to be able to play. And that's what we can expect over this generation. And I'm so, so stoked about it. I truly believe that there is more potential. And I don't think this is a hot take. There's more potential this generation for like the Metacritic scores to be insane for more titles than ever before. Because I think that we're going to be getting high quality 90 plus titles from year one all the way through to the end of the, the console's life cycle, right? Like, mm-hmm. we were more prepared, ironically, for this generation tr- uh, transfer than ever before. And that's with COVID. That's with all these things where we're getting this seamless transition where we never saw a PlayStation that was right out the, the gate hitting with the sequel, 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 sequels uh, this early, right? PS1 to PS2, an argument can kind of be made, but even then it did take till from that 2000 launch to like near the end of 2001, really going into 2002 that we started getting a lot of the, the heavy hitters, the Metal Gear Solid 2s, GTA 3, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, everything that made the PlayStation 2 what it became. But looking at the PS5, it's like, oh damn, we're already seeing all the the fruits of the labor that the ps4 had just continue there was no momentum lost right ratchet and clank is coming out and even between that there was the gap bridge the the bridging of the gap of miles morales that was last gen and this gen right Mm -hmm. xbox all the zenimax stuff all the bethesda stuff all the first party acquisitions that they've made we're gonna start seeing those titles maybe not first year but hopefully next year we'll start seeing all that switch same story, right? Like from 2017 on, we've just had banger, 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 banger. And even years like last year that are maybe not full of quantity of these games, we still got things like Animal Crossing. We still got, you know, great games, like even smaller things like Hades and stuff. We're in for something really special. I can't wait to see where this all goes. And I can't wait even more so to be at the end of this generation, hopefully sitting here talking to you, bless. Uh, you'll probably be a robot for some reason by that point. Oh, um, no. Ter- terrible or, Oh, yeah. Terrible Actually, that sounds kind of awesome. I, I would yeah. be down. I'd be like Cyborg. What's, yeah. what's, what, does, what does Cyborg say? Booyah? Booyah, I'll be saying, I'll be saying that. He, he does say that. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll be looking back. And when we're talking about uh, top 10 games of the generation, I think it's going to be the hardest conversation we've ever had with that question yeah i think you you pretty much answered the question that uh we got here from suck sandwich on patreon because they wrote in suck said, sandwich suck sandwich wrote in yeah he said uh good morning blessing tim the ps5 has now outsold the ps4 in its fiscal year and it's also the fastest selling console ever in the u.s my question is do these milestones really matter anymore gaming isn't a niche hobby it once 
it once was, and I see more people collectively excited about these next-gen consoles than just about anything else short of a new Marvel movie. The point is, the hype and demand for these consoles is just go going to keep escalating and compounding as time goes on because more people are out there playing games. So are these sales number numbers really that record-breaking? And to, to suck sandwich, like, you know, Tim, you just answered the question, and I think suck sandwich <laughs> answers their question a little bit also. Um... I, th I think these numbers are important and it does matter that they're milestones because it is it is uh, showing for growth over the entire industry, right? Like these aren't numbers that I think speak to like, hey, you know, PlayStation is doing it bigger than Microsoft or vice versa or Nintendo's got the formula right now, right? Like I don't think these are numbers for us to, to look at and be like, they're doing uh, uh, anything specifically that are like... I, I, this is a weird point because I think they are actually like each of these companies are putting in moves to uh, that speak to these numbers. But I think overall we are we are seeing the industry have a growth, and that is not always a guaranteed thing. You know, I remember the beginning of the PS4 generation, PS4, Xbox One generation, where reading IGN, reading different sites, there was the talk of is console gaming about to be over, right? Is PC going to take over? It is not always a guaranteed thing that the industry is going to see growth. And I think the, these numbers do speak to overall growth in the industry. And that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. And that's going to speak to games that we get in the future and probably uh, the quality and level of first party releases and third party releases and all that stuff. Like overall, these numbers are pretty are pretty big. And I think they're value they're valuable to look at from that perspective. I mean, dude, I, I, I think you nailed it. And I, I think that it's both. I think that it is just the industry is out of place. And I think that, uh, you know, COVID does have some part to play in that of more people being at home, coming back to gaming for the first time, starting gaming for the first time. And I think that all the moves that each of the big dogs are, are making kind of play into each other, into this ecosystem of gaming as a whole, which just, it's all about kind of like available audience, right? And if gaming as a whole is bigger, that means that PlayStation's audience is bigger and Xbox's audience and Nintendo's audience individually. Yeah. And if you played Animal Crossing last year for the first time, that was your first game, that is a gateway drug into other experiences. How easy would it be for them to be like, oh, Game Pass is just a subscription service that I can get on my phone? I'm going to try that. And then next thing you know, two years down the line, these are people watching E3 hyped when Elder Scrolls Six is officially shown off you get what yes. i'm saying like that's how this happens like gamers are, are being born every day <laughs> but but like jokes that's aside a scary it, thought it, it is a scary <laughs> thought uh but no it's like I, I i think that there is a power in and I've, I've been saying this since the we've been gearing up into this next gen launch playstation xbox and nintendo have never been doing more different things successfully and that is what is fantastic for the industry, where we have Nintendo being Nintendo. We have PlayStation tripling down on AAA exclusives. And we have Microsoft completely from a foundational level trying to just be the best value possible. And mm -hmm. all of those things create an environment to allow more great video games to be made and enjoyed and for more developers to be properly funded in different ways because there's different revenue streams it's just all good and I, I do think that these records number because records matter and numbers matter because records are records these are breaking records and while it kind of gets a little old to be like well the switch sold more animal crossing sold more playstation sold more it's like well they're selling more than ever like and he, yeah uh, and mr suck sandwich here brings up marvel movies i mean marvel movies didn't always make a billion dollars now they do 
And now there's an expectation that they do, which means that those movies can be bigger and better than ever. Like, there's a reason that Marvel movies can have every single A-list actor known to mankind in them. And that's because people care and there's investments properly being put into making good products that are going to grow over time. That's what Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are all doing right now. And it's helping the industry as a whole. Yeah, and you helped, me, you helped make the point that I was trying to make earlier, that all these companies are firing at all cylinders, which makes us go, oh, of course, these numbers are going to be higher than usual, especially given COVID-19 and, and what that's done for the spike of interest and all this stuff. But that's not always a given, you know, and I, and I think it's important for that. Let's move on to story number six. I'm going to make both the we have three more news stories and we're far into this show. And so these are all going to be quick hits for you. And so let's start with our first quick hit uh, story. Number six, Aztec Forgotten Gods is getting getting a movie treatment. Uh, if you don't remember this game, this was a game that was part of a recent Nintendo's indie event. Um, basically, Impossible Dream Entertainment and Lienzo Gaming Studio have partnered uh, for an Aztec live action uh, uh uh movie of course it's the latin x themed it's a it's going to be a latin x themed feature film uh based on the upcoming video game uh and if you don't remember it go check out aztec forgotten gods the trailer because it looks like a really cool game Tim, it you know what rad as hell oh yeah, yeah that game looks awesome super excited it looks- for it uh a movie being announced right now it's like all right whatever this is weird news and they're just kind of a sign of where we're at but again it's weird but it's exciting though like it speaks yeah. to the growth right like to- absolutely, in what world does this happen <laughs> like yeah. when ha- th- wh- this does not happen often you just announced a new indie game and i uh, the, the story does point out that these this uh partnership was in the works for a little bit based off the success of mulaka one of their previous games which one i didn't realize that they were the ones that made mulaka and two super cool that based off of mulaka they are getting this partnership um absolutely yeah like how cool is that dude it's fantastic and you know to not belabor the point here i think it's really key to look at the witcher series on netflix boosting game sales uh for the witcher 3 a years old game there's something there when last of us comes out on hbo last of us is going to like you said earlier in the show become a a, a success on a whole new level and become a, a, a ip that matters not just as a video game but as a cultural phenomenon and while i don't think we're as aztec forgotten gods is gonna hit on that level i hear this news and i'm actually like this actually might happen whereas a couple of years ago i would have been like all right cool yeah no that's one's a fun gonna headline a to read movie. on a show but it's not actually gonna happen yeah uh, our next quick hit for you, story number seven, Resident Evil Village's multiplayer mode has been delayed. Uh, this this comes from Michael McWhorter at Polygon. Capcom's latest attempt to transform Resident Evil into a multiplayer game, uh, the free bonus mode for Resident Evil Village, known as Resident Evil Reverse, has been delayed. If you remember, this is supposed to originally launch alongside Village in May, but now it's expected to launch sometime uh, this summer, and that's according to the game's website. This one is... Uh, whatever i like but it's not heartbreaking because i don't think anybody was like fuck reverse is the thing this is what i'm looking forward to at the launch of resident evil village but it's weird that it's getting delayed this close to launch i feel like that's weird but whatever take your time i guess you don't have anything nice to say don't anything say anything at all so take your time put it out when it's done uh and then our last story story number eight sorry keep it to yourself sorry Story number eight: DC fandom is back. Uh, this is this is from DC Comics. They tweeted out this morning: the epic global event is back. Return to hashtag DC fandom on what's the tenth month? October, October sixteenth, twenty twenty one. I had to really think about that one. I was like, which one is ten? And I, I I just threw October out there. Thank God I was right. Um, cool. Uh, you'll probably get more 
uh, uh, Suicide Squad, Gotham Knights news there. So look forward to that. But Tim, it's weird news because like it never left. We haven't left the dome. It's a state of mind blessing. Oh shit! We're still in the dome. We're still in the dome. I'm very happy about this because I think this means the return of the Nug Dome, which I'm mm-hmm. very excited about. But Tim, DC fandom, Wait, just so we're clear, so far it, away. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything about the Nug Dome. They're oh, unrelated. Yeah, Kevin, no, you don't understand related. how the dome works. You weren't in the dome. You are. You're. See, we're still in it. You're outside, Kevin. You're. You're knocking on it, trying to get in, and it's a nice little dong 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 sound. Yeah, you're hitting real dome, hard, but it's making a little dong dong dong. It's yeah. like the Truman Show. You hear? You hear? No, is that the dome? Is that Kevin knocking on the dome? It's getting real quiet. It was good a second ago. Yeah. Do it again, Kev. All right. Tim. <laughs> He's so our, far away. Kevin is return. so far away. But if I wanted to know what was coming to mom and drop shops today, where would I look, Blessing? Oh, we would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the games, kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday. I want to say, Tim, this is our best episode of kind of funny games daily. Period. Hands freaking down. We had debate where both of us had good points and it's like okay okay we're here yeah we got we got the jokes we bring in the vibes we got, we got the kevin energy. outside the dome we got kevin we got kim hawkins we got we cam, revealed we got again Greg. <laughs> greg's hosting e3 tim or not tim kevin did you do the do but did you do the yeah or the yeah you did it yeah, yeah, you did it. yeah. Okay, got it. now we can continue out today we got crime opera <laughs> sorry I was not prepared for that name. Blessing. Crime Opera. Blessing, right now there's some breaking news. Bo Burnham made a new comedy special. Wait, did he really? Is it Blessing out today? When's it out? I don't know. He just tweeted, I made a new special. It was filmed by me alone without a crew or audience over the course of the past year. It's almost finished. I hope you like it. Oh, let's fucking this is the go. Best day what a ever. day. This is an amazing day. Let's fucking go. We got Crime Opera, the butterfly effect out today for Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and Switch. Second Extinction. Oh, that's the dinosaur game. That's coming out Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One. Ladders by Pogi. Uh, that's out today for Xbox Series X slash S and Xbox One. Genshin Impact. That's out uh, today on PS5. Somatically Muffed is out today on Xbox One. Taiwan Monster Fruit Prologue is out for Switch. Uh, Grisaya Phantom Trigger 01 to 05 is out for Switch. Car Demolition Clicker is out for Switch. <laughs> and then Skeletal <laughs> Avenger is out for PC. Uh, and then uh, we only have one new date for you. Bo, Bo Burnham Special is out soon. Yes. Uh, deals of the day for you. We do have PlayStation Plus games for May. They were revealed this morning. Battlefield 5 for PS4, Strained Deep for PS4, and Wreckfest Har- Drive Hard for PS5. I love that. Wreckfest <laughs> Drive Hard for PS5. They're gonna be they're gonna be your PlayStation Plus games for April. Tim, people can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong where they write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so you can correct it for those watching. Who the later fuck has the gall and the audacity to correct us today on this day of our Lord? I mean, it's, it's pe- folks like Dave Rooney here who wrote in, hey, bless, this news was missed. The new gameplay for Lost Soul aside, we talked about that, Dave Rooney. You can't write in about Dave missed Rooney. news until the news section is over. The Roper ah! Report, you got to wait for the Roper Report to finish before you write about uh, missed news. Callahan writes in with a good one, though, and says Second Extinction is on Game Pass. That's a good one. Thank you, Callahan. Did, did you do the squad up? 
Did I miss No, it? I skipped it because we're very far in the show. We can save it for tomorrow. Uh, and then the nanobiologist says, bless the studio you were thinking of that got announced last week was Firewalk Studios. That's the PlayStation Thank you. 1 with the Destiny devs. Thank you. That is a good year Thank wrong. you, nanobiologist. That was good. But that's about it. That is Dave, about it. Dave, think about own. what you've done. Think about what you've done. I want you, I'm sure you're driving right now. I want you to pull over your car. Just think about it for a second and then safely pull back onto the road and keep driving and have a good day at work because I hope mm-hmm. you have a good day. You know, I hope mm-hmm. you're, you're doing good out there, Dave. Tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are Greg and Tim. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Andy Cortez playing what, Kevin? A video game. A video game. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the server level of patreon.com slash games. Tim, is it another shit list? Yes, it is. For folks who have never heard the post show and wondering what shit list is, you got to tune into the post show. No, uh, I'm going to so tell stick- the shit list is where me and Blessing talk shit about other people's lists. It's he's Hell playing yeah. near replicant. That's what it is. Near replicant. Near replicant. There you go. Uh, version and the, that's actually not the full, full name, Kevin. Give me the full name. Nope. I couldn't. Nope. Couldn't. Right. Couldn't give you the name to save my life. <laughs> Stick around for the post show. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>